So this is going to be the first episode, Lakers Nation Philippines. Um, like I said, my dudes, uh, Villa and Zach, uh, were big, big basketball heads. And recently, the most, um, the biggest news, I guess, for the Lakers is the statue unveiling for Shaq. And what I have here is some audio on uh, done by CBS as far as for the ceremony. To celebrate a big honor for a big guy today, a Shaquille O'Neal statue was unveiled outside Staples Center. And tonight, KCalline's Andrea Fujii is live in downtown LA with this slam dunk for Shaq, Andrea. That's right, Susie. There was a huge crowd here earlier today to see Shaq's statue unveiled, and there are still lots of people here right now taking pictures of the big statue that now hangs 10 feet above the ground of Shaq's signature move, his slam dunk. It's nine feet tall and 1,200 pounds of bronze. He's huge. It's all to commemorate Shaquille O'Neal. It's amazing. I want to get up there and touch it. And some fans, like Dana Brooks, waited hours to see him and the new statue. Diesel, Aristotle, all of his nicknames, you gotta love them. Shaq played for the Lakers from 1996 to 2004 and led the team to three consecutive NBA championships from 2000 to 2002. Flanked by his family and former Laker greats, he thanked the crowd for their support. Can you take it? Thank you guys. Love you very much. Appreciate you. So, in regards to L.A., did, did you guys actually feel if there was a lot of stuff going on in L.A., like in downtown? Because, you know, we're bro- I'm broadcasting from the Philippines and you guys are out there in L.A. Yeah, it was, it was packed. I mean, one, definitely for the Shaq um, statue unveiling, but also, too, there was also a large crowd in, in you know, for the Laker game. And then, you know, the UCLA game was happening at the same time. So LA Live was just like popping, buzzed. Yeah, it was really, really popping. So that that voice that you hear, that's Villa. Um, he lives in uh, LA. He works in downtown LA. And we've been doing this radio show for quite some time. And um, pretty much he's the dude that took me around downtown LA and if, if I had if you have any questions in around in regards to basketball Los Angeles Villa's the dude that you know is in the heart of it out of all the three MCs right now uh Zach in regards to um Shaq because you're probably the age group of Lakers Nation Philippines and you're closest to the age group as far as for the Lakers centers where do you position Shaq, and who are your top three or four centers for, for the L.A. Lakers? Oh, man. Um, I mean, Kareem has to be on the list, obviously, uh, because of the same reasons why Shaq is, because they're both uh, multi-team players that came to the Lakers and have won multiple championships. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain is probably the greatest center of all time. But he wasn't a Laker as long as he was a Warrior or a 76er. For that case, I would have to go number one, Kareem, number two, Shaq, and number three, Will. But, I mean, for most dominant center of all time, I'd still have to give it to Shaq because no one could just bang another person quite like Shaq did back in his heyday. 
Right. And and for you who's listening, in the 90s when Shaq was signed in 1992, the internet wasn't there. I mean, it was via military, but in regards to seeing YouTube highlights, that wasn't even near being existent. When I first heard about Shaq in Orlando, I could only watch highlights. This guy looked like a giant monster with the agility of a, a point guard almost. You know, a two guard. Yeah. Jay, what was your experience when you first saw Shaq? Well, I heard of Shaq um, in when he was playing for LSU. I mean, he was putting up big numbers as this giant, you know, I mean, you're even talking about when you had a guy like Alonzo Mourning still in college and Shaq was just like the, he was just, you know, you had Duke as the, as the, uh, the team of that time. And then you just heard this guy Shaq and he's putting up like 40 points, 30, 40 points a game and, you know, just dunking on everybody and then, you know, that was just a big excitement. And when, when I saw him, you know, he was really celebrated when he came into Orlando, you know, inside the NBA and all of those guys were all over him. And, uh, you know, when he was doing the Fushnikins, um, which is on, a rap Arsenio. group. Yeah. And, you know, it just kind of showed he was just larger than life. You know, I mean, he was... He was just doing everything, you know, from a basketball standpoint. He could, you know, run the floor. Uh, he's diving on the floor. He has the personality and everything. So it it, it wasn't it wasn't um, hard to not get caught up in like Shaq, just the the personality. But on the floor, I mean, you know, you I I was a big Larry Bird fan growing up. And I remember when he said he was. Don't hate like, him yet, Lakers Shaq. Nation fans. Don't hate him yet. Yeah, yeah, and and um, I remember sh- him saying, you know, he saw Shaq, and he just kind of was like, uh, "Yeah, it's time for me to go," because that is the future of of the NBA. Yeah, and and the one thing that <laughs> that that I, I admired and marveled at Shaq was. I was a big Akeem Elijah one. He's probably 1A to 1B of my favorite centers ever. With with Hakeem Elijah one, he was more of a finesse, I'm going to go around you and trick you. Where Shaq, I mean, literally was a, uh, was a freight train. This guy was so nimble. It, there, there's college hoops highlights out there where he would dunk on people in college. And it pointed in their face and just, there's no one, there's nothing you could do. Absolutely nothing you could do. and Or shatter backboards. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And with, with Zach saying that he's probably the most dominant, I wholeheartedly agree. You see LeBron James and you see how dominant he was. It, LeBron James is probably uh, more like a lion shape animal where Shaq was like an elephant with the same agility of a lion he was just incredible and I know a lot of you are, are so much younger it as far as for experiencing seeing that real time Shaq was amazing this guy was just a monster and um during the honoring 
of Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually, you know, was part of the the speeches to set up Shaq's um, unveiling. Zach, do you have the audio on Kareem Abdul speech? Yes. Okay, let's do the Good afternoon, first Afternoon, everybody, and welcome. The main reason I'm up here today is because Shaq and I have so much in common. We're both over seven feet tall. We're both dashingly bald. And both famously outspoken. Both former Lakers. We both have had act acting careers. I played the co-pilot in Airplane, the fifth floor guardian in Bruce Lee's iconic Game of Death. Yeah. And he played Smooth Smurf in Smurf 2. <laughs> and Kazam. You talking shit, dude. But the thing is, both of us were suspiciously overlooked for the Academy Awards, you know. So that's hashtag Oscars so short. Unfortunately, despite having all that in common, only one of us could be good looking. Sorry, Shaq. Sorry. About that. It's exciting to see so many people here today to celebrate this momentous occasion. Some people thought the odds of Kobe Bryant showing up today were the same as Shaq sinking a free throw. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the great thing about that is is Kareem going, yo, I was the most dominant center in L.A. Uh, second, okay, just so you know, I came before you. And I, I think that's great of him to bust his balls. And I think Shaq took it pretty well. If you watch like all his uh, facial reactions, he just took it in. I think that's a big honoring, yeah. and culturally, you know, for for the Philippine audience, uh, that's called roasting. You know, where you honor someone by talking a bunch of shit towards the guy who you're honoring. Um, Jay, I didn't get to ask you this question: Who's your rank between Wilt Shaq and uh, Kareem? Oh, um, <laughs> I, I'm torn, man. Honestly, I'm I'm really torn. Uh, so am I. I know. I know. Uh, Kareem is really is really great, uh, but Shaq was really my favorite. Um, you know, uh, just because of the style of play. Um, Kareem is is arguably in the the greatest player ca- category, whereas I wouldn't say so for Shaq. But I would say he's the number one center for me. Uh, it would, and I'm too young to really to to know Wilt. So you know, for Laker history, I would say Shaq, Kareem, and then Wilt. Okay, for for your favorite and and also the greatest Laker center, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just based on on their their uh, career uh, as as a Laker, um, I think I think. Uh, it's so close. I mean, you could say one A, one B. I think that would be that would just kind of be the escape, the the easy escape. But if you had to put a um, you know gun to my head, I would say uh, Shaq, then Kareem, 
than um, than Wilt. See, see, for me, statistically, it's Sha- it's uh, Kareem, Shaq, then Wilt. Okay. Yes. But who yes. who do I love? Shaq number one. Respect Kareem number two. Wilt number three for the same reasons because. Thank God I can't say I was like alive and watching and aware and old enough to say like I was watching uh, Will Chamberlain, you know, but it would definitely be Shaq. And and for you who's listening, if, if you go to YouTube and look up Shaq Breaks Backboard in Training, it's where this reporter, uh, Madrashad, um, interviews Shaq right when he, a little before he gets drafted. So here's the audio on that. Okay, so you've been playing against zones in college, right? I'm going to show you what it's going to be like in the NBA. You ready? So at that point, that's when Ahmad Rashad actually scores uh, like a 15-footer on Shaq. And Shaq just pretty much let him go. Now Shaq has like this uber-determined face, and this is what happens. Let me see, let me see your best. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with Shaq, this guy was in a high school basketball basketball gym, cracked the glass, fell flat on his back, and looked unaffected. So that's the kind of monster he was. And then for Coho Zach to bring up like the type of backboards that he broke, this is Shaq with the Miami Heat. Okay, Miami Heat, well. Been into the league for so long, and this is when he was playing against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're the tallest starting front court in the NBA. O'Neal almost brought it down, count it, and a foul. So what does that mean? The, the league has seen Shaq for at least 12 years. Breaking backboard, so it's a new technology. It's, it's the, the newer way to anti-Shaq and anti-break backboards. And this dude rocked the whole backboard still. Here, here's some of the detail when he was at Phoenix. That's when the whole actual um, thing, the whole backboard and... and, and um, the goal. The goal. <laughs> the goal post it just collapsed. Collapsed. With the bounce back. All the Shaq bringing down the rims to every Shaq game he's done for 10 years. Almost. 2007 in Cleveland. A moment ago, Shaquille O'Neal... His carry-on bag every O'Neal game he's done here. February 93 in Phoenix. Taking the air out of the building and then in the Meadowlands against the Nets later on that year. Watch Derek Coleman, former Net, number one overall pick. Watch him hightail it out of there when that backboard comes out. I think the one that happened at uh, New Jersey was even worse. Because oh, the yeah. scoring time yeah, the- hit his back. The whole thing fell. Yeah. Didn't break the glass. Right. It looked like he should have got staples after. Yeah, because the, the, the 24 second clock kind of collapsed on his head. On his head. Yeah. So, so, you know, what we're trying to do as, as the trio for the Lakers Nation podcast, uh, Philippine version, is to demonstrate since we're in the U.S., I'm temporarily in Manila, but the, the gravity... Of this guy. Right now, you guys are watching the Marcus Cousins. Maybe some of you may remember Pau Gasol. There's Marc Gasol. But this was 
the monster of the of the NBA. And let me ask you guys, um, Zach and Jay, do you feel there's at least fifty percent reasoning that they went from a no hand check era because of Shaq? And feel free to shoot me down if if you think I'm being too conspir uh, a conspiracy conspiracy theorist about that. <laughs> I think you are being a conspiracy theorist because, I mean, that would have been the perfect time to send him to the free throw line. <laughs> like, he was just such a terrible free throw shooter. And I think uh, when it came to hand check, I think it was more something where it was helping the perimeter players around that time. Because uh, after the 90s, it was like no more Michael. But at the same time, like, there's the Tracy McGrady's, there's the Vince Carter's, there were so many guys, Steve Francis or Stephon Marbury. There are these guys that were just exploding in uh, scoring charts. And I remember like there was that huge incline of like top scorers scoring over 30 points a game. And I really thought it was more beneficiary to those type of players. But when it came to like post players that were still left in the league around that time, like Andrew Sabonis, uh, Divock or Weber um, and Shaq, I think Shaq uh, it may have hurt more because of the, him going to the line so much more. Well, I think there, there is the, the, um, the contact factor, um, more so of the the hand check rule, where you know he's in the post. I mean, like, how do you stop a guy like that? You just have to lean on him as much, or or you know, shove him as much as you can before he bodies you up, and you know, pretty much goes where he wants to go. Um, and and I think that's the part where he's he affected the rule. You know, I mean, there was really no other player that could force their way into the lane like Shaq. And um, I think that's kind of where, you know, it's like the rule had to change for him because what would be a regular foul for him would be like a, a, a big flagrant foul for any other player. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of where I would see the, the rules changing um, and, and Shaq affecting the rules. Yeah, in regards to Shaq, this was a common theme after like 1996, people were always talking about if Shaq was in town, you change your defensive scheme. A lot of these inactive players or, or who are second or third string power forwards and centers, it's like, yo, dude, we're going to use up some fouls on you. You better body up this big dude. And, and Shaq was so dominant. It, I personally feel even in this era... Though, obviously, like what Zach said, you know, the free throw shooting would be a miss, right? But it would probably be a shit ton of N1s, meaning he would be able to dunk the ball, and then you foul him. Or you think you're going to foul him, and then he would dunk the ball anyways. You know, so how do you guys feel Shaq would do in this era? Do you guys agree or disagree with what I just said as far as for um, fouling Shaq? Uh, I think he would still thrive because if uh, there are certain, and we saw it in the NBA Finals like two seasons ago uh, when Mozgov was the star or when Andrew Bogut was a star. Like there was a need for centers uh, when it came to the half court set or the half court offense. And I still think like if Shaq is just on the right team, uh, if he was in his prime today, uh, they, they, he would be the absolute biggest X factor on that team. 
Uh, I don't think about X factor. I think he still would be. I mean, the the main factor. Um, I think Shaq in his prime uh, is he's a freak of nature, and there's no way anybody could stop him in this in this league today. Or you know, I mean, just like in 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 the time he played in the area he played, you had a, a more physical game. You could do more, and um, you know, there's just no way in that. Shaq in today's game is is not dominating. He's he's bigger than everybody else. He's just as agile, and you know he just knows how to get to the basket. Where you know a lot of these big guys, they're they're happy shooting shooting a perimeter shot or you know trying to go down the lane. They may you know have have to shoot more three pointers. If you have a guy like Shaq, they're not they're not gonna uh, body him up in the paint. So I think Shaq would be just as dominant, if not even more dominant, in this in today's game. So I remember watching an interview. This is when he got signed two years after, so probably around circa nineteen ninety eight, on Channel Nine KCAL. Someone asked him, Shaq, um, I think you'd you'd be a better overall player and would be unstoppable if he learned how to shoot a jump shot. And and then he answered it with such intensity and ferocity. He goes, why? Why? You can't stop me from five feet in. Why am I going to dip out? Why? <laughs> and it's so true. It's yep. so true. I mean, I think Shaq would be going to the free throw line minimum 10 to 15 times. Because those, like what you said, Jay, those aren't normal fouls. Those are Shaq fouls where you're hammering yep. him on the forearm, where you're literally you're leaning your body, lower waist leaning on your body, which would be considered a foul back then. Uh, and, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant also had some good things to say about Shaq. Uh, Zach, do you have the audio of Kobe's um, commemoration for Shaq? Uh, I think, uh, thank you. I think, you know, we've heard a lot of stories about uh, Shaq today, but what we haven't talked about is how good of a player he was. (laughs) Most dominant player I've ever seen. And the thing that was most impressive to me is that he's such a fun, outgoing guy. Loves to tell jokes, loves to have fun with his teammates, practical jokes. But before the tip-off, something happens. The switch goes off for him. And he's no longer joking around. He's no longer playing around. He's not smiling anymore. He's out there and he's trying to dominate. And I remember the playoff series against San Antonio. We're going into the arena. And uh, he and I would sit against each other in the back of the bus. And uh, he leans over to me and he goes, bring it to me early tonight. Bring it to me early. I'm looking, I'm like, all right, what's, 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 what's going on? He said, when I was a kid, David Robinson wasn't very nice to me. I said, say no more. This series is in a bag, man. That's it. That's it. Um, But I just want to say thank you. I've learned so much from you as a player. Yeah, I mean, that's how dominant he was. And I, I don't know how salacious this is for me to say, but I say even in the same breath with Phil Jackson, but no Phil Jackson, no Shaq, no Kobe Bryant. Oh, that was Kobe. Uh, oh, oh, I know. Uh, that's what I'm saying. If there wasn't a Shaquille O'Neal, 
there wouldn't be oh. a Kobe Bryant in the sense of development, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Even just the drive and the motivation of getting that fourth and fifth championship. Yeah, and 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 I think there's a certain free-form method of learning when you can always rely on someone. And it's the same thing with Shaq, right? All throughout his career, he played with Dwayne Wade, played with Kobe Bryant, Penny Hardaway. There, Shaq had the freedom to go, you know what, I can dump this to Kobe and he can make it. But it's also the reverse where Kobe can go, you know what, I'm going to pass the rock to Shaq and he'll do some damage the first three quarters and tire out these centers. Mm-hmm. You know? So... um, in regards to Kobe Bryant, you know, at least uh, time healed a lot of wounds. How many championships do you think they could have won together in a realistic, non-fanatical way? Easily On five? For e- sure. Uh, easily five. I think they could have done six. Six. And that, you're, you're assuming there are some assumptions to this, right? I mean, sure. Assuming no, no, uh, the 2004 didn't happen, the the Colorado or the collapse three. I, I, well, uh, yeah, no, it was uh, 2004 because 2003 went to the right. Spurs. Let's say so they stayed Pistons, together. Let's say they stayed together after that Pistons championship. Uh, yeah, I think they would have easily won two more. I think if they're on the same page, I'm still even willing to rewrite that history and give it to the Lakers because they made it that far, and I don't think the Pistons were that better of a team that year. I just think the Lakers were out of sync. Agreed. I would agree with that. Not to take away anything from From the the Pistons. Pistons. Yeah. Dude, if Shaq got surgery in June or July, you know, and then he would have had at least two, two and a half more months to recover, then he would have been his dominant self. You know, right. but, but statistically, I think Shaq still had better stats than Kobe during that finals run. But yeah, at least five. I would say at least five. Because they, they, were, they were the guys who started the Lakers meeting, started this whole, oh, we're going to start signing people who just want to uh, play and win rings for the cheap. You know, I mean, you look at Carl Malone and Gary Payton. They got him for like almost six and a half, seven million. That was a steal. So if they would yeah, have stayed for together. two players, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's it for our first podcast. We wanted to uh, honor Shaq. Uh, thank you, uh, Lakers Nation Philippines, for putting us on. Um, and we'll be more. There'll be more. Um, we're probably going to be putting out some videos here and there, but most likely as far as for strictly the audio, it'll be a weekly and, uh, signing off. This is uh, Charles Yao, Jason Villamater and Zach El Thank you so much.